0: hello students this is mrs zelmer and this is your class podcast for wednesday may 13th 2020 today we're talking about the didache and the apostolic fathers in the early church let's begin our lesson this morning with a prayer In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is taken from the intercessions for morning prayer for Wednesday of this week in the Easter season. Before we pray the intercessions for the day, I want to just pause here for a moment and allow you to draw to mind any concerns or needs that you have or any um, intentions for any family members, friends, or people that you know that you want to offer today uh, as we pray together. Christ was given up for our sins and rose again to make us righteous let us cry out to the Lord saying save us Lord by your victory Christ our Savior in conquering death you brought us joy in rising again you raised us up and fill us with the abundance of your gifts stir up our hearts and sanctify our day through the gift of your Holy Spirit Lord Jesus, save us. Show your great mercy to your people as we look forward to our own resurrection. Have mercy on us today and protect us from any evil. King of glory, source of our life, grant that when you return again, we may be one with you in glory. We take all of your prayers, all of my prayers, and we offer them together. uh, And we offer all these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, on to our lesson for the day. So, uh, one note before we kind of go any further from here. Uh, Your class notes for today are pretty extensive, and rather than teaching you kind of podcast format uh, on all of the slides, I'm just gonna offer some background and context on the first few, um, and then I think you can take it from there. So I wanna make sure at this point that you have your slides for the day on uh, for May 13th e-learning on Didache and the Apostolic Fathers open, um, and as soon as you have that open, you can continue on. So you've taken your unit three test when we've talked about the Christology, ecclesiology, and soteriology of the early church that we see in the New Testament. We focused on the Christology, especially of John's gospel. We looked at some of the letters of St. Paul, um, and we started to talk about a kind of timeline of early history. Now in our fourth and final unit of the course, we're going to focus on how does the church take the mission of Jesus, the great commission that Jesus has given to his apostles, right? Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How do they, how did the apostles take that out into the world and what's done with that great commission in the generations after the apostles? So that's kind of a logistical where we are. So I want you to look with me um, on that first setting the stage slide in your Google slide for the day. So I want us to think about the fact that we learned in our last unit, right, what happens to all the apostles. We know that they go to the ends of the earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit after Pentecost, um, and they get basically as far as they possibly could in the travel constraints of their day, right? You learned last unit that it said that St. James makes it all the way to modern-day Spain, that St. Mark goes to modern-day Egypt, St. Thomas goes to modern-day India. Um, and similar stories for the other apostles, right? St. Saint, uh, Saint Paul, the honorary apostle takes his three major missionary journeys. Um, and really we've seen that transformation from disciples of Christ who didn't understand after so much time what Jesus was teaching into empowered, courageous, um, and fearless leaders who are willing to go to the ends of the earth to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? And we had said this last unit, but 11 of the 12 of them are actually going to die by martyrdom. And St. John, the beloved disciple, the only one who does not die by martyrdom, is going to die in exile from the Roman Empire on the island of Patmos. Right, So this is what's happened to the apostles. They are so confident in the life-changing reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, of the triumph of life over all that is sin and over all that is death, right? The power of what Jesus has done and how we are supposed to be drawn into this, that they change their whole lives for the sake of that message, right? So we see what's happened to the apostles. We know that as the apostles start to die, the early church basically has a moment of a wake-up call, Right? They've been getting all of their stories of the gospel from the apostles themselves. Right? Paul is preaching on his missionary journeys with what he knows firsthand from the disciples of the Lord Jesus who knew Jesus during his preaching. Peter is able to preach on Pentecost about Jesus because he knew Jesus himself. But as the apostles start to die or are exiled, the early church is faced with the conundrum that The apostles aren't going to be around forever and what should they do about it? The short answer is that we start to move from the oral tradition of passing these stories on very accurately in what's called a master to disciple fashion, right? You would make sure that someone who's kind of your apprentice learns from you properly um, and gets it right um, to a need to have these things written down because the apostles are one by one um, being martyred. So the New Testament is kind of written down by necessity. The mission of Jesus must be proclaimed. The gospel must be preached. People must be baptized. um, And we need to have a place to go back to the words of those who knew Jesus and to the words of Jesus himself. So this is where the gospel's begin to be written down. The writings of St. Paul begin to be collected, right? Those letters that he's written to all of the churches. Um, And I wanna make note here that this is actually a really impressive thing that we have all of these texts still existent today. If you look at the uh, collections of writings from about this time in world history, right? It's hard to come by um, accurate and really great resources precisely because writing things down was so very expensive right it said um if you put it into today's dollars the cost of writing down the gospel of luke when you put into account the hours of manpower, of writing it down, the cost of materials, of papyrus or parchment or all of the ink that goes into it, right? It's actually something more like the cost of a house than it is the cost of a book that we draw off, that we grab off of Amazon or some local bookstore. So the writing of the Gospels down is an amazing feat in and of itself. The writing of the New Testament down into, like, keepable fashion right is a major task for an early church that is not wealthy a church that is known by the poor uh, and a church that loves the poor and is made up of many who are poor themselves so I want to make note of that we are moving from this era and generation of the apostles into what I told you about last time as the era of the apostolic fathers and I'm going to pause one here one second here just for a quick break and I'll be right back So the era that we're talking about today is the era of the Apostolic Fathers, and we're going to talk about the writing, the Didache in particular. So a little bit of an expansion of what you learned about the Apostolic Fathers from last unit, right? You knew from the last unit that the Apostolic Fathers are the generation of Christians immediately after the Apostles. So you can think of them like second-generation Christians, right? They live from approximately the year 50 AD until about 150 AD-ish. Right. So if you need a little refresher on the timeline, remember, um, Jesus is said to be about 33 years old at the time of his death and resurrection. Right. So the apostolic fathers would not have seen or met or known Jesus personally, but they could have very well known and did know some of the apostles who were still living. Um, the writings of the apostolic fathers become a really important part of the early church's life. They don't make it into the New Testament for a variety of reasons that we're going to talk about in a later lesson. Um, But we mentioned, uh, importantly, that some of the apostolic fathers are people like Clement of Rome, Ignatius of Antioch, St. Polycarp of Smyrna, which is kind of in modern day Syria, Um, and then the... Wonderful, awesome kick butt saints, Saints Perpetua and Felicity uh, are from this era of time as well, or maybe just a little bit after. Um, So these are kind of the people of the time. And the reason that that's relevant is now we're going to talk about uh, the Didache. Um, The Didache is popularly called the teaching, or sometimes it's called the teachings of the 12 apostles, right? So that's why I bring up where the apostles and the apostolic fathers are in all of this. So the Didache is probably the first, written down that we still possess today that does not make it into the New Testament itself okay um, the, the word didache comes from a Greek word that means teaching. Um, and it's actually amazing that we even have it because it was written um, late in the first century. So before 100 AD, even before the Gospel of John gets completely written down. Um, but it was actually lost for a very long time and in a kind of Indiana Jones fashion was rediscovered in the 1880s and published um, widely in 1886. So that's just kind of a fun thing that you should know about. Um But overall, the Didache is a really important document in the early church because it's what we call an early catechism. Now the slide that you should be on is number five, uh, and it just says that the Didache serves as an early example of a catechism, but that doesn't tell you what a catechism is. A catechism is essentially a collection um, of doctrine and teaching that's written down in a way that people can understand um, and apply it to their own lives in a particular time. So, for example, there is a current catechism of the Catholic Church that's been recently updated in the last 10 or so years. And before that, it was updated for use in the United States back in the 1980s. Right, so these are summaries of teaching and doctrine that are meant to be taken and kind of placed in its local setting to help people make sense of what the gospel is supposed to mean for them in their time and in their place. So the Didache takes the teachings of Jesus, right, but puts it kind of in um, puts it in ways that apply it to the life of second and third generation Christians. Uh, You'll see some more examples of this, especially in how it talks about moral teachings. Most of the moral teachings in the Didache aren't things that Jesus would have necessarily had to speak about because the Didache is reacting to things that are being done in Roman society a generation or two later. So it's applying the words of Jesus to the current situation in which Christians find themselves. The Didache is split into these four essential parts, Um, and from here, I think you can really take care of this independently. Um, I do want you to note as you're going along, you're going to see the practices of the early church really in a lot of ways look like practices of the church that still occur today things like practices about baptism right that baptism is supposed to be done uh, in water and to use the trinitarian formula of i baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit you're going to see uh, practices surrounding the eucharist Right, That uh, people should gather to break bread to celebrate the Eucharist every Lord's Day, so every Sunday, that they're supposed to confess their sins before receiving the Eucharist. And that if anyone's at odds with his brother or his sister, they're supposed to stay away until they've reconciled and healed both their sin and their kind of just discontent and um, difficulties with each other, so you're going to see a lot of things present in the Didache that are still very much present in the life of the church today, and I want you to take into account, right? This isn't stuff that just got popped, uh, that just popped into existence or was made up hundreds and hundreds of years after the life of Jesus. This is the early church, this is the Christians who are responding to the call of the Lord Jesus, they're hearing the preaching of the apostles and the apostolic fathers, and they're saying, what does this mean for our life now? How do we take the words and the mission of Jesus? How do we embrace the life that he has promised? And how do we do it in our own time, and our own place? This is a question that's going to continue to be asked by Christians throughout the centuries, and we see, in a beautiful way, How the Christians of the First Century Ask It in the Writing of the Didache. Thanks for listening, students. That's all for today. This is Mrs. Zelmer signing off for your Mission of Jesus Christ course. I hope you have a wonderful day. And don't forget to take your five-question reading check after you listen to this podcast and read your notes. See you soon. Mrs. Zelmer is signing off.